It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW in Sitka. Today is Thursday, September 16th, 2021. I'm Brooke Schaefer with Raven News. Two more Sitkins tested positive for the coronavirus on Tuesday, according to data from the Alaska Department of Health and Social Services. The new cases keep Sitka's risk level high, with 12 cases reported over the last week. While the city no longer publishes demographic data to its COVID dashboard, the Sitka School District began publishing daily COVID reports in late August. As of Tuesday at 5 p.m., the district was reporting eight active COVID cases at Kikushihin Elementary School and one one case associated with Baranoff Elementary. Blatchley Middle School's active case count had gone down from 1 to 0. When the Sitka Assembly met on Tuesday, it approved an ordinance to extend Sitka's temporary mask mandate through March of next year. But the new mandate, which differs slightly from the one in place for the rest of this month, must be approved by the Assembly on second reading before it goes into effect. KCAW's Catherine Rose reports. It was standing room only when the Sitka Assembly met on Tuesday. Over 40 Sitkins testified, most speaking against the updated mask mandate, which could be enacted at the end of the month. The city's current mask mandate is set to expire on September 28th, or when Sitka's high COVID risk level drops. With the new ordinance, masks wouldn't be required in indoor public spaces anytime Sitka's risk level drops below high. The mask mandate would go back into effect any time the city's risk level increases to high over the next six months. For around two hours, the assembly listened to public testimony, which was limited to two minutes per person. Most of the nearly 30 people who spoke against the mandate repeated concerns shared at previous meetings. Many said it was infringing on personal liberties, and some made claims about the safety and efficacy of masks that are contrary to guidance from the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. But this time, business owners voiced strong opinions, too. Stacy Mudry owns Sitka Ready Mix. She said the city's current mask ordinance was affecting her business, and she wouldn't support the updated mandate. I was torn when this ordinance first came out on how to put my signs up on my doors. Um, I put signs up and I started watching my customers drive in, see the signs, drive out. I'm like, well, great, now I'm losing my customers. When it comes to masking, grocery stores have become a lightning rod. Roger Hames of the Hames Corporation, which oversees Seamart, Market Center, Silver Basin, and Cascade Convenience, said the assembly had put businesses in a no-win situation. There have been yelling matches inside the store, yelling matches outside the store, almost to the point where the police have been called to, uh, to prevent a fight from taking place. There's no enforcement of this. If there's no enforcement, why have, a, why have an ordinance in the first place? It makes no sense to me. I currently have a mask mandate at my operations, all my stores, but effective tomorrow, I am not going to have a mandate. Ames was met with applause from the audience and his testimony cut off by Deputy Mayor Tor Christensen, who called for a brief recess to the meeting. When the meeting reconvened, Police Chief Robert Beatty asked the audience to adhere to the rules, and Hames finished his comment. Please, no reaction to this. I, I, I honestly mean that. But um, if there's going to be anyone fined, let it start with me. I will be at my biggest business tomorrow morning at 10 a.m., not wearing a mask, and I will pay any fine that the employees incur. 
Throughout the testimony, Deputy Mayor Christensen continued to ask the crowd to refrain from clapping, cheering, and jeering. Patricia Dick was one of around eight people who spoke in support of the mandate, which she said protects unvaccinated children in Sitka schools. But she was heckled by the crowd. Recently, some teachers from Homer asked me, how did you get a mask mandate in Sitka? And I said, our city assembly, Sitka assembly, loves our children. And, and, and... You let, please... No, you... And we let they you love talk. Let our her health care workers. Yes. And they love our essential people who are on, on, on the fighting lines here. You guys care. And Blossom Teal Olson, who said she'd been listening to the meeting while grocery shopping, felt prompted to come speak. This is a community, and it's divided, and it's very sad to see it this way. And I understand that people have freedom. And I understand your big obstacle of choice that you have here tonight. I know that you guys will act in our best interest. And you guys are awesome for sitting in this room, listening to all of this emotion tonight. I hope Sika can really come together and stop being so divided on such an issue that is so trivial. While most of the comments at the meeting were against the ordinance, Deputy Mayor Christensen said the majority of the emails the assembly received supported the ordinance. After listening to nearly two hours of testimony, the assembly deliberated. One of the ordinance sponsors, Crystal Duncan, cited high COVID rates throughout the state of Alaska, with hospitals reaching ICU capacity in Anchorage. She said she would support the continuation of a mask mandate to protect vulnerable elders and children. We know that as of today, 12 and under still cannot be vaccinated. We now come and go as we please because we feel this sense of, I'm okay, I'm vaccinated. We still have to wrap our arms around our children just like Dr. Zink reminded us to do. Until they are approved, and we don't know when that's going to be, we have to show up for them. And Kevin Knox said he would likely vote against the ordinance, but not because he doesn't believe masks are effective or necessary. I'm going to continue to wear my mask. I'm going to implore everybody in Sitka to do as much as they can, because the reality that I end up seeing is that COVID is wrecking the entire globe. Hospitals being totally overrun. Healthcare staff being totally stressed, losing family members to COVID, losing close friends. This, this is going to be an incredibly hard vote for all of us. The vote that I'm going to make is not because of the efficacy and the science. Ultimately, the Assembly approved the ordinance on a 4-2 to two vote with members Rebecca Hemshoot, Crystal Duncan, Kevin Mosher, and Tor Christensen voting in favor, and members Kevin Knox and Valerie Nelson opposed. The Assembly will consider it on second reading when it meets on September 28th. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Katherine Rose. 
Alaska's ferry link with Canada is on pace to resume next spring following a tentative agreement between customs officials in both countries. An impasse over whether U.S. agents could carry weapons on Canadian soil has been resolved that would allow the Alaska Marine Highway System to call into Prince Rupert, B.C. for the first time since 2019. As Coast Alaska's Jacob Resnick reports, there's also uncertainty of the fate of the mainline ferry Malaspina that the state has been paying more than $35,000 a month to keep tied up at a private dock. The last ferry for Prince Rupert left Ketchikan in 2019. First established in the 1960s, the 120-mile voyage is the shortest link between southeast Alaska and the North American road system. But around two years ago, the U.S. Department of Homeland Security demanded that its agents checking Alaska-bound vehicles and passengers inside the Prince Rupert Ferry Terminal be allowed to carry their sidearms or have an armed Canadian police presence. That didn't pan out, and the ferry link was suspended. The Marine Highway's general manager, John Falvey, says state officials were working with federal officials in both countries to find a workaround. And that stopped with covid Canadians closed their border, and of course we couldn't get in for the last year and a half. But now, federal agencies in Canada and the U.S. confirmed this week to Coast Alaska that the passage of a bilateral agreement in 2015 is now in force, allowing U.S. agents to be armed on Canadian soil. Valvey says there's room in the summer schedule for twice-weekly sailings to complete the nearly eight-hour trip. We put a placeholder with the Matanuska into the schedules for once a week you know, um, to, to service Chris Rupert to get us going again. On May 1st. Falvey's comments were part of a recent wide-ranging interview in which he gave updates on the Marine Highway. He also confirmed that one of the Alaska-class ferries, the Hubbard, built with $60 million in state funds, would be modified to extend its range at the end of the year. The fate of the ferry Malaspina also remains up in the air. The vessel has been stripped and suffered some water damage from weather after being laid up for cost-cutting purposes in 2019. Governor Mike Dunleavy offered the ship up for free to the Philippines as an apparent goodwill gesture, but except for a phone conversation between the governor's staff and consular officials in San Francisco, the offer didn't go anywhere. The Marine Highway System's general manager told lawmakers this spring there had been some interested parties to buy the ship, and he told Coast Alaska recently that it's out of his hands. Well, there's a lot of interest, but um, we're, we're still on a hold. Uh, that's... Uh, those are, that's guidance coming from above me. I, I guess I'll just, you know, say that. That's that's guidance come, that comes from above me as to what to do with that ship. So we're, we're in Ward Cove, waiting guidance. I guess that's what I can say right now. Coast Alaska filed a public records request in June, seeking the commissioner's office emails and internal discussions outlining commercial interest in the Malaspina. But as of mid-September, the agency says those records remain under legal review and have not been produced. In the meantime, agency officials confirmed that the Malaspina remains tied up at the private Ward Cove facility near Ketchikan at a cost of $38,500 a month. Reporting in Juneau, I'm Jacob Resnick. I'm Brooke Schaefer, and this has been Raven News.